Purple Insider is presented by Oakley. Express yourself, build a look that's made for you. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Purple Insider, which is presented by Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. Matthew Collar with you again. And salary cap analyst for Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger, one of our favorite people on the show, is... I mean, we're not just excited to have you, Brad, but we we need you. We need you for this situation now uh, with June 1st upon us. What is up, man? How are you? I'm doing great. June 1st upon us, so maybe some more little movement going on. And of course, as as with every offseason recently, the Minnesota Vikings at the, the center of a couple interesting contract situations. Always, always. So, all right, dealer's choice. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Daniil Hunter. Where do you want to start? Let's start with Dalvin Cook, because that one I think is relevant to that deadline of tomorrow. Okay, perfect. Uh it seems to me like there's a very high percentage chance that the Vikings after June 1st cut Delvin cook. Why do you think it was that they were not able to, at least as of this moment that you and I are talking, not able to find a trade partner for him. And is this the best outcome or should they consider just bringing him back? Like your take on the Delvin cook situation. Yeah, I think the the probably biggest impediment to getting a deal done is just like we saw in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins, where odds are if he was granted the right to talk with clubs or his agent talked to clubs, I'm guessing they may have given some some teams the ability to do that. You know, it's now come out that the Chiefs and Bills were allowed to talk to DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, he didn't have an agent at that time, so a little bit different. But nevertheless, I'm guessing Dalvin Cook thinks he still should be paid what he's owed next year, his $10.5 million salary, even though we see Aaron Jones take a pay cut in Green Bay. Joe Mixon probably having similar conversations. You see Zeke Elliott get cut. I think these guys are better than Zeke Elliott at this time in their career, but nevertheless. So that, I think, is why a trade has been so difficult is that no team is going to give up, you know, significant draft capital of any kind. And even if it was a, you know, a day three pick with not much value, they probably just don't want to inherit that deal and give leverage to the player. Um, you know, uh, one more running back. You see Austin Eckler gets basically nothing. $1.75 million in incentives where he has to beat production from last year when he had 1700 all purpose yards and like 20 touchdowns. So that, the answer is it's a tough market for the position, and Dalvin, you know, clearly does not want to agree to any sort of pay cut uh, on his current deal. So, do you think that there is a chance that they get to the final phone call and it's like, "Hey, Dalvin, we're gonna do this last chance to take a pay cut"? That if his agent is looking around, what are the chances that anyone's gonna put more cash in his pocket than the Minnesota Vikings, even on a reworked deal? I mean, we saw Harrison Smith take a rework deal to take a pay cut. And Harrison Smith, in my mind, is much more valuable and would have much more interest if he was released. Uh, Adam Thielen got a decent contract somewhere else, but these guys are uh, high value players. I think that, you know, competing teams would want. 
I don't know that that's really the case with Delvin Cook. Like, go down the list of running backs on teams. Find a team that you're like, oh, well, they want to win, and boy, do they ever need a running back. Like, there's just so many of them out there. That's the reason we talk about not paying them. And it has come into my mind that it's altogether possible what happened to Riley Reef a couple years ago ends up maybe happening to Delvin Cook, where Riley Reef was ready to get cut after they traded for Yannick Gagakwe. And then his agent called around and everybody said, nah, you know, nobody's got any money for Riley Reef at this moment. And he ends up staying with the team on a pay cut. Not a happy Riley Reef at that point for taking that pay cut, that's for sure. And it probably wouldn't be a happy Delvin Cook. But if he's just looking to maximize his cash, there still is a possibility that that is here. Or, or do you have a different opinion based on the around the league? No, I think you're probably right. So look at the the perspective with Harrison Smith, even though you know different position, different age, all those things. But he he chopped off about six and a half million dollars from his salary owed this past year or this upcoming year, excuse me, down to eight million dollars for about fourteen and a half. So let's say even if you let's say less than that, let's just say you chop five million dollars off Dalvin Cook's salary. Is someone else going to offer him more than five and a half million dollars in cash next year? I'm not so sure. Right? I, I look again, like. He was productive at times last year. He is a three-down back, you know, yada, yada, yada. He is a fine player. I'm not saying he's completely, completely, you know, washed up at this point. But in this market, we've seen the last couple off-seasons as well. You know, again, he's probably better than the version of Leonard Fournette that came available in 2021, but he gets $3.25 million on a one-year deal. Like, that's the thing. Maybe the best-case scenario is he probably gets the same amount elsewhere that he would get here and here you know you're a focal point of the offense you've been here forever you know as you and I know outside of football you're going to have your initiatives and and community things going on the team does love him um, you know off the field just as much as on the field and wants to build you know programs around him and make him a face of the franchise in many ways so you know I I don't think he would do much better if if at all you know if, if if better at all. Yeah, and as it pertains to off the field, his issue from 2021 has not seemed to be a concern of theirs. Uh, I think that maybe fans, people who like Delvin Cook should not love what was reported uh, and in that lawsuit. Uh, but the team, I mean, Mike Zimmer came out immediately with a statement backing Delvin Cook. They have never... Um, shown any type of, I don't know, interest in digging further into that. Maybe they have, uh, or at least the way that they've acted publicly. And there has been nothing from the NFL to even slightly insinuate that he's going to get suspended. That could change though, uh, as court dates happen and as things come out, um, I, I, it seems like there's a dragged out process there, but that is possible if they keep him, that something like that could happen, that this could be more of a public thing than it has been. So I'm not saying the Vikings don't care about this. I'm just saying that they've shown no public indication that they're concerned that he'll be suspended or anything else like that. Uh, here's my issue with keeping him if they do, because there is, like you said, a, a, from his side, a possible incentive to stay. Um, the the downside is that they have drafted Alexander Madison in the third round, Ken A. Wongwu in the fourth round, Ty Chandler in the fifth round, and Dwayne McBride in the seventh round. That is four draft picks dedicated to the running back position to players who do not play. Although, you know, Dwayne McBride's this year. But three of them to players who do not play. Because Delvin Cook, if he's on the team, he is playing 250 snaps, 75% of the snaps, unless he's injured, he's getting every, uh, every snap per game. 
unless he's injured. And I think that there is a lot of value for the Vikings, a team that has a lot of positions that are in transition with younger players that they're looking to get experience and find out who can play to actually make use of these draft picks that they spent. I mean, last year, Ty Chandler is standing out in preseason. Uh, Madison comes back on a very reasonable deal, but he's shown anytime that he's been a starter that he can play through the years. And Wong Wu is a 4-3 guy. Dwayne McBride, they just drafted, but is a, a very exciting prospect, even, even as a seventh-round running back. I, I just I think that there is value in seeing what those guys can do. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the McVeigh tree, or I guess not even the entire tree, but McVeigh in particular, um, and so far with Kevin O'Connell, they actually do like to not really have a committee. I think we're used to kind of seeing a Kyle Shanahan type approach. They don't. They want to have one guy. I think the big thing probably traces back to a Todd Gurley, where it's just there's no tell when he's on the field what you're going to do, and and Dalvin probably is you know, better at all things than any of them are, you know, across the board. Maybe you could argue, you know, Madison makes more guys miss between the tackles or yada, yada, yada. But but if you add in every skill set, I think Dalvin, you know, comes uh, to the cream of the crop. So, yeah, but but like you said, I mean, you're, you're using draft pick year after year for guys that maybe at most are contributing on teams, and that's about it. It's not really a great use of your resources. Why, you know, if you're going to keep Dalvin, just, okay, then go sign one of the many free agents available for a minimum contract and use those draft picks elsewhere to maybe hit on a player with a four-year, you know, control um, that, that adds more value and actually gets on the field on offense or defense. So, yeah, no, it makes total sense. Obviously, there's the quote today from Kevin O'Connell about how it's great to see Madison getting more first-team reps and, and be a true th- three-down player. You know, it seems like they're trending towards, you know, a, a probable breakup, um, but I'm sure they still would love, frankly, to get a pay cut done if they could just doesn't seem like as much traction on that at all. Yeah. I mean, I think that they have several guys with potential to be something. I I mean, Ty Chandler might have an opportunity to be that three down back uh, eventually as he works his way into it. We've seen Madison do it in spurts before Uh, I, I dug up the stat that he's had 10 games of 10 or more carries and only two of them did he average less than four yards per carry. So he's been successful when he's had those opportunities. He does not have the breakaway speed of Delvin Cook. But I also think that when you have the analytics GM, no one should understand better than Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the age curve. And this is like the red alert. This is where it falls apart for so many running backs in the past. And there were hints for last year. So we'll have resolution on this, I, I think, fairly soon. But there is two sides to the Delvin Cook argument. Uh, How about we talk a little Justin Jefferson? Because this is when I DM'd you and said, I need you. This is why this is I mean, this this thing can be a little bit complicated. Uh, I think even though there's the simple fact that the Vikings want to make him the highest paid receiver uh, and they they all agree on that. Nobody has any disagreement about how much Justin Jefferson is worth, which is interesting because usually that doesn't happen. Usually it's, well, you know, we value you this way and maybe the market and everything else. No, everyone agrees. The guy is the best receiver in the NFL. Everyone agrees that he should be paid that way, but structure will matter here. I've floated it out there a few times. The idea of a shorter term deal that's a couple years, maybe three seasons, as opposed to like five or six or whatever. I'm sure the Vikings would do 10 if uh, Justin Jefferson would allow. But what is your expectation about what a contract between the Vikings and Jefferson would look like? 
That is going to be the first battle, uh, is the term. The Vikings love to give the five-year extension, as every team should. You know, we've probably talked about it. A longer-term deal is better for teams. Uh, the player has less you know, path to get back to the market, whether that's free agency or just you know, saying, hey, I want an early extension. I mean, look at a guy like Daniil Hunter. Yes, injuries, other things, a different component of it. But you know, him and Stephon Diggs signed these five-year deals um, in 2018, and, and both were just kind of hamstrung by their inability to argue, well, I have four years left. I am better than my deal, but it's hard to make that argument. So. So that's going to be the first battle we saw last offseason with, I mean, everyone really, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, um, all those guys, Debo Samuel signing that three-year extension. So I'm sure uh, maybe they settle at four, right? They, they kind of have a compromise at four. Of course, for Jefferson, those guys signing the three-year extension did not have the fifth-year option. So really a four-year total term. You know, if he signs a three-year extension, it's still a five years remaining on his contract. So four would be six and would be, you know, a, a long, long deal that keeps him off the market for a very long time. So if they do get to four, yeah, it's good. I mean, regardless, it's probably going to reset the market, which is not then is a separate conversation of, unfortunately, you know, the top guys at wide receiver, it's kind of phony what their contracts actually are versus what they're reported as. You know, Tyree Kill, in my opinion, signed a three-year $75 million contract. Um, and did, did Devonte Adams signed a three-year deal for about sixty-seven and a half million dollars. Um, you know, AJ Brown probably closer, but more like three years seventy. I want to say, yeah, three years sixty-nine. I think it is, and that's where those guys are, right? The, the McLaurins, the Metcalfs, in that twenty-three, twenty-four million per year range. So, you know, if Jefferson wants the thirty-plus, let's say he wants to beat Tyree Kill's thirty million per year average. The thing is, all right, are you going to actually beat that or are you going to beat it, you know, because the the last year is just some massive salary that kind of inflates the overall value. But, yeah, look, there's no way they would sign a contract where he does not become, whether real or phony, the highest paid player in his position, but by, by a, probably a decent margin, frankly. What is too much to pay for the greatest receiver on earth? Honestly, in, the, in today's market right now, like – it's a pretty high number. Like I would give, like I just said, in my opinion, if Hill is at 375, I would give Justin Jefferson 330. Like I would. I, I don't think it's it's unreasonable. Um, way younger than these guys. Doesn't to me have a game that I think is going to age particularly poorly at all, even though we're not really in that conversation yet. But like I wouldn't be, you know, he's not some physical demanding, you know, injured all that's not who he is, right? He's just a a very skilled player. Um, yeah, I would go pretty darn high, uh, especially because you are also – you know that there is a time in the near future where you want to bring in a young quarterback and, and groom him. Um, and, you know, we always talk about all Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo and, and and this team acquiring this guy and helping out their quarterback. You just have the guy in place. You know, that, that, that works as well. So when it comes to Jefferson, part of this conversation is that uh, Kwesi Adafo-Mensa mentioned at the Combine, I asked him specifically, do you loop Justin into conversations about your big picture? And he said, normally you wouldn't do that for anyone except for a quarterback, but in Justin's case, we do. And so I think part of this is, and I think that's smart, like not being like, we're the player, you take the deal we give you, because that maybe was the previous approach and got Stefan Diggs to Buffalo. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, that is a double-edged sword, though, because if you loop him into the conversation and he doesn't like what he hears – then what do you do? Because you can't let him go Aaron Rodgers and take over your franchise and start, you know, bringing back Randall Cobb and stuff like that. Um, you can't let him dictate who his quarterback is, but can't you though, in a way? Uh, but if he says, I want no one else other than Kirk Cousins throwing me the football, doesn't seem likely, but 
what what do you do? Do you like, okay, sir, I guess we'll extend Kirk for you now. Or if he says he doesn't want to work with a rookie or he does, or what, like that, I think there is some trickiness to that. And in this case, he does not have to sign today, even though it's majorly beneficial for him to sign today, he doesn't have to. And this is a wrinkle that I don't know exists in a ton of these contract situations. Yeah, so it, it is pretty fascinating. I think if I was him, the most realistic thing or pragmatic thing I would say is just don't give me a dead year, right? Do not give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2023, whereas they can't battle of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. And every clip I've seen so far is them just missing by five yards. Like, so look, I, and we'll get into Kirk, but essentially have a succession plan in place. You can point to Green Bay, even if, you know, we don't know if Jordan Love is going to be good or not. But, hey, they never had a season where they went into the season with confusion or questions of who's going to be the guy. Do we know, you know who he is, what he's about, all that. They never let that happen. And I would say, you know, please do the same thing here for me. You know, Quasi, obviously – and you get to point at San Francisco, you know, hey, look, you know, you had Jimmy, you still drafted Trey. Like, again, didn't really work out from a result standpoint, but the process was we are never going to not have an idea of who is next up. So the, the thing I would say is more about it not getting done this offseason. I actually would think, and now we'll talk about them in a bit, but like if you're trying to pay Kirk and Daniil Hunter and you have Jefferson who, yes, you want to get done ASAP, but the, the amount of players, non-quarterbacks that get extended – three years into a rookie deal that are first rounders is very rare. I mean, look at this offseason. We're still waiting on Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, and and all these guys, Quinn Williams, etc. There's been some movement, but these are all guys that were in the, going into the fifth-year option year. Um, look, Rob Brzezinski and that crew over there, they like to get deals done early. It benefited with Daniel Hunter and, and Stephon Diggs and a lot of players. They did a very, very good job, Eric Kendricks, etc. Um, but maybe here they say, you know what, his price is not going to get – like we already know we're going to give them an astronomical contract. Like it can't get that much worse. Um, and maybe that's the route they go. Folks, our new sponsor, Oakley, maybe you've noticed it has taken our show to the next level. Oakley, express yourself and build a look that is made for you. And guess what? That's exactly what I did. Just got a new pair of matte black prism sapphire polar sunglasses from Oakley. And I got to say, they are a game changer. I'll be wearing them golfing, playing basketball, training camp. It is clear now that I have not been doing anywhere enough for my sunglasses game until now. Now, Oakley is changing the game, and it's time for you to discover a whole new world of possibilities. They are suited for everyday wear with frames and lenses, allowing for an extension of yourself, an expression of personality more than meets the eye. So make a sunglasses upgrade today at oakley.com. Personally, I am loving my new pair of Oakleys. They even offer prism lens technology. What the heck is that? It is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you want to know more, and I know you do, head over to oakley.com and do your own research there. And while you're at it, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses as well that will change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there is more than meets the eye. Try it for yourself. I have worn a lot of sunglasses in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Go to oakley.com for more information today. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, I mean, that's my thing is that if Justin Jefferson doesn't really love what he hears and he says, you know what, I want to hold off, and the team can say, okay. I mean, it's beneficial to the Vikings to sign him to an extension because then they can design it however they want with the salary cap and with their future as versus a fifth year option and a franchise tag. And plus those things always get ugly. And Lamar Jackson's got his, I don't know, business friend who makes treadmills or something like calling NFL teams. Uh, I mean, all all's well that ends well there, but they get ugly, these things. And I think that they don't want that. They don't want ugliness with Justin Jefferson. It's just unique in that Jefferson knows he's going to continue to be the best receiver on earth. He knows that he's going to continue to be the most valuable player they're going to have that's a non-quarterback, maybe in the entire league, and that he's going to be whenever he signs this, the highest paid receiver. So if he wants to hold their feet to the fire a little bit with their future, he can, because I think this guy has zero interest in playing for a bad team and zero interest in playing with bad quarterback situation and so forth. He wants to win, um, but it comes down to maybe does he believe that they can win soon with Kirk Cousins or not? And then, I don't know, do you let him dictate what you're doing at quarterback uh, based on you know his contract situation? So that's where it all gets kind of muddy, but by tomorrow he could sign and we never talk about this again until a couple years down the road. I just think that that element of it is something that you don't hear very often outside of a quarterback with a player caring about the direction. I also think that if you make him the highest paid receiver, how is it that you keep an expensive quarterback? It just doesn't seem possible that you could keep Kirk Cousins on an expensive extension and have Justin Jefferson on his deal. But maybe I'm wrong based on the structure. So that's where, you know, I think you could, if you go one more off, let's say you extend Kirk to another one-year deal for 2024, you know, Jefferson, like you said, already has a $20 million fifth-year option essentially for next offseason. But if you then reworked his deal or, you know, extended him, you could then lower the cap, you know, from a cash or from a cap standpoint, excuse me, you know, have it where his number is low in 2024. Kirk's is still fairly high because it's kind of unavoidable. Um, and then, you know, I guess it would be small again in 2025 for all that dead cap to hit, which would also be a, a sizable cap hit at this point for Kirk Cousins. And then it balloons into some gigantic number, um, which you balance out, then balance out with the rookie contract quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean it's smarter of them to include him. I think more teams should do it. Like you said, it is kind of a, a tough line to balance of we want to hear your input. We're going to take it into consideration, but you can't be like, hey, I want to draft this kid, you know, this quarterback. And we take another one. And you say, well, I told you, you know, yeah, we're going to hear you out. We're going to you know, take it into consideration, but you're not going to become our, our, our director of college scouting. So I think it's good. I think it's good to see. Um, and, and I think it will look, it also builds trust and credibility in that. If things do get a little bumpy, which hopefully they don't, I don't think they will. Um, but if they do, it's, hey, we're not, like you said, I, I do think in the past there probably was some more kind of just, look, you're the player. I'm the, you know, we're the front office. Stay out of our business. We'll stay out of yours type of thing. Um, and I think it's smart that they're, look, they're, they're not they're not that anymore. I, I really don't think. 
And I also think that the ownership of the Minnesota Vikings is always going to push to make sure these things get done. So if there needs to be extra dollars added at the last minute that I think all players and all agents know at this point that the Wilfs want to keep their stars as long as they possibly can. And they're going to move, you know, heaven and earth to do that. Now, all of this does tie into Kirk Cousins and his future. And again, we don't know how Justin Jefferson really feels deep down about whether they can win with Kirk Cousins. I don't think that there's any rift or issues between the two, but I also think that it's been three years between him and the best receiver in the world. And they have zero playoff wins in those three years. And that has to eat at Justin Jefferson, the fact that they don't. And he's also aware enough to know what a giant quarterback contract does uh, to a roster and how difficult it's been to build the rest of the roster. I'm sure he watched the defense last year from the sideline, give up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Uh, but is it possible that the Vikings could extend Kirk cousins? Because I think we saw the last regime run into this and this regime already run into this last year where they look around and go, well, who's going to be better. And I think that personally, I think that's a fallacy. I think it's like, okay, well, could you do better than, one playoff win since 2018 with somebody. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of people who could have gotten one playoff win since 2018, but I think that with this ownership, everyone is always concerned about having a horrible season because that's like the one thing that they don't ever want. And with Kirk cousins, you'll never have a horrible season. So it seems still in the realm of possibility that they could extend him because Kirk always wins. Uh, but I don't think they should. I think that they should stay on the path that they've created with a youngish roster, actually a lot of young parts, especially on defense, offensive line, uh, receivers are now very young between Jefferson and Addison. Stay on this path, draft a quarterback next year, uh, but they also might look at next year's class and be concerned that there's not going to be that guy there for them. So how do you weigh the possibility of them still extending Kirk Cousins? Yeah, so I do think they came into this offseason thinking if we can find a younger solution, whether it's via the draft, we do now know they did talk with the San Francisco 49ers about Trey Lance at one point. Obviously, the Minnesota local, I think I've tweeted enough times thinking that, you know, connecting those dots, I honestly would not be surprised if we get a healthy Brock Purdy um, and they think Darnold's a good enough backup in San Fran that is be way closer to week one, that maybe they do re-engage re in those conversations. And I think Will Levis getting drafted by Tennessee takes a massive suitor uh, for Trey Lance's services out of the equation, which could help Minnesota as well. So, um, but I do think because, you know, all you do is add Jaron Hall in the late fifth round, um, a one-year extension for Kirk Cousins probably does make some sense. For you, again, you're still planning to draft a quarterback in the first round next year if you can. Um, you know, you'll have your what full suite of picks again, as opposed to obviously this year did not have the T.J. Hawkinson selections um, at your disposal. I, I found every rumor or whatever they were going to trade up the most absurd and dumb thing I've ever seen in my entire life, frankly. But um, like, come on, let's, let's have some dignity here, people. But anyway, so yeah, they're going to go from 23 to three. Like, okay, sure. Um, that's never happened in the history of the sport. Why not? Uh, and with no draft capital, sure. Um, anyway, so I, I think it does make sense. I think you do the same kind of thing one year, $35 million type thing. It just buys you more time. It basically is a franchise tag, as we've discussed. Um, I think it's very possible at this point because they didn't get the solution they were looking for. But again, you're constantly turning over stones, trying to find the succession plan um, while and he kind of knows that and I think has made peace with it uh, as well.
Okay. So from Kirk's perspective, though, you ever been at a party or something and you're talking to someone and they kind of are like looking, looking around you, looking by you. Is there somebody more important than Brad Spielberger? I could be talking to this. This happens in circles uh, when we are at NFL events with lots (laughs) of people there, you know, the feeling. And so uh, that's how the Vikings feel with looking past Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, I'm okay with talking to you right now, but I'm really looking at that draft class, looking at Trey Lance, looking at everything else. If you're Kirk at some point, you have to be like, I won 13 games for you last year. What more do you want from me? And I know that Kwesi can come back with a lot of numbers that say it was not the greatest quarterback season. Wasn't even Kirk's best season or even close, statistically speaking. But he did the thing that he hasn't done in the regular season, which is get into the, the, you know, division title range and win a lot of games and had a lot of comebacks and played overall well uh, with Kevin O'Connell, especially since they had no effective running game and they leaned on him a lot. So if I'm on his side and I'm his agent, who we both know is spectacular at his job, I've got to say my guy has never been hurt. And look at, you know, Derek Carr gets a pretty good contract when he ends up hitting the market. It wasn't insane, but it was still really good. And oh, by the way, he's actually wanted in New Orleans. They want him there. And if you're Kirk, do you just want to go where you're wanted? If they come to you and say one-year extension, you got to be like, really, guys? Like, what do I got to do to be the Viking for life? I don't play nickel corner. I, I can only be the quarterback. Like, I could see his side feeling that way. I was reporting, uh, I, I forget who from, and it may have been more speculative than a pure report, basically saying that before the restructure happened earlier this offseason, they were trying to get a multi-year extension done. And you were first on it. We talked about it. You said you probably messaged me in like January. Like, why would Kirk not, why would he take another one year? Why would he say, no, give me a three-year deal, um, you know, and I can help you. And, and the reporting basically was like, they were almost surprised that Minnesota didn't jump at the opportunity because they were kind of offering a bit of a discount from a total value standpoint, at least in their eyes. Um, but just wanted the, the more more year-to-year control uh, you know, or security than, than a single-year extension. So that makes total sense. It's totally fair. I think it, it is fair, frankly, for Kirk to want to have more stability than always having to think, you know, what am I going to do the year after, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, I mean, look, top 10 tackle duo now, you know, if Jordan Addison pans out, could have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL, a good offensive head coach that seems to get along with him and like him that he has familiarity with going back, you know, a very long time ago, like you said, worked well in their first year together, could perhaps get even better as things are now more and more catered to their, you know, kind of what they want to do. So there are competing forces. And and I think Minnesota probably thinks, Hey, we've offered enough for a great organization. You know, being number one in the NFL PA thing is, is not, you know, people should not scoff at that. It means a lot. And and Kirk is a massive beneficiary of those things. So yeah, no, you're right. You are right. And you nailed it. And and I think you were smart to kind of be first on that. But you know, Derek Carr, for example, his deal could just be two years, $60 million. And so Kirk could realistically do better than that. Um, you know, even with a one-year extension, make more in cash and have more, you know, kind of guarantees and security. So I think that's kind of how they would push back and say, yeah, look, we're we're still giving you, you're not going into a contract year again. You get to not look over your shoulder. You know, it's your job this year. Um, Even if things go badly, we're not going to throw in Jaron Hall just to see what we have, you know, whatever. Um, But no, everything you raise is also very fair. But I, I think that it would be a mistake to sign him to any sort of extension And I know that they want to keep being competitive, but at some point the bandaid has to come off. And 
last year's roster is better than this year's roster. And even though they have a good offense, they certainly have a good offense. Uh, we've never seen him take them beyond being that fringe top 10 type of offense. And sometimes the numbers are a little bit of a paper tiger because it's playing in shootouts and coming back and things like that. I mean, how many points did they score against Indianapolis? Like you get credit for those, but you were down 35 points or whatever. So like, yes, your offense did finish eighth in scoring, but you know, there was a couple of big games in there that were unnecessary stat padding. But anyway, that's not the point. It's just that you've seen the ceiling. If you're the Vikings, you've seen what this thing is. And the previous regime is not here anymore because they kept thinking they could patch all the holes around it. And they just kept extending and extending all the way into their graves. It's like, do you guys want to do the same thing, especially with a quarterback who is getting older and like Jay Cutler at this same age was a dolphin. I mean, Joe Flacco was like playing for the Broncos or something at the same age. These middling top 10 ish quarterbacks do not last to 42. And so I guess every year to me, they're playing with fire if they try to extend him. And they also kind of just continue to kick that can down the road. So now we're getting to the point where you've passed on numerous quarterbacks that you could have drafted. I'm not saying they should have taken Will Levis, but it's like, well, you could have taken Mac Jones. You didn't take him. You could have taken Kenny Pickett. You could have taken Will Levis. And, and all those guys might be horrible and they might be right. But if one of those guys is good, then it doesn't look good for you because every year it's like, well, it's not the perfect quarterbacks, just not there for us. And also it's not there because you keep winning games with Kirk to put you in the middle of the draft and this vicious cycle. We just live in a simulation that never ends. So I, it just, it, it feels like if they extend him again, it's just going to be the same repeat of 2020, 2021 all over again. And what ends up happening when you're in the middle, you get a lot of clashing. Quasey and Kevin O'Connell are best friends now, just like Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were when they were rebuilding in 2014, 15, 16. But you have a couple of failed seasons and, and then the pressure is on. I feel like next year is the perfect time to rip off the Band-Aid, draft a quarterback, and go forward with a, a franchise that has a lot of promising young players. Yeah, so I agree. The only thing is, you know, you can't go back to the Justin Jefferson conversation. Let's say they're picking in the middle. You know, it won't be 23. Let's say it's 16, whatever. Um, you know, right out, right outside the playoff picture, whatever you want to say. And you're saying, okay, this is a good quarterback class. We do like some guys. Maybe we trade up or we take the Mac Jones of this year, the guy that kind of slips a little bit, whatever. And we have no one on the roster. We have Jaron Hall on the roster and we, you know, bring in whatever, uh, you know, another veteran backup. Things don't go your way. Someone trades ahead of you or, you know, are you, you put yourself in a position where then everyone knows as well, right? Like you're going to get, you know, killed in the trade or you're not going to pull the trade off or, or whatever. And again, it's it's expensive security. It's expensive insurance to give, you know, $35 million to Kirk Cousins. Um, that is a pricey, you know, uh, plan. But but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the issue and what they're they're avoiding. Um, but no, again, I, I hear you. It's more just you know, these kind of, again, these competing forces. And it, it's funny in a way. Like the NFC being so bad, it, it, it hurts them as much as it helps them, right? Like, I, like again, I think they are going to win eight games, nine games, um, just because the NFC stinks. Um, but you know, it, it it'd be nice if they were in the AFC, you know, East, and and this roster would be by far the worst roster on paper in that division. But instead, it's probably the clear number two roster, and the Detroit Lions can't stop gambling and losing players for significant chunks of the season anyway. So. 
Not betting on football, though. Not betting on football. I mean, no, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> if I was Jameson, yeah, right. If I was Jameson Williams, I would not have known. I, I would not have known that you couldn't do it in the facility. You have to drive over across the parking lot and then get on your app and then bet on Bama or whatever he was doing. Um, I think all of that is like insurance against what? Security against what? Not winning? I mean, because that's where that's where they've been is not being a legitimate contender and that the the weak nfc is another fallacy it's like yes that's true that most teams are weak in the nfc but the top teams are just as good as the top teams in the afc and that was proven because in the super bowl the nfc team lost by three or whatever like that's and and look at look at the top 10 scoring teams i think six out of the 10 were from the nfc so uh or at least five out of the ten. So, so the top teams are good. It's just that the, the bad teams are really bad. And what do they matter um to your equation? So yeah, I mean, I guess we've I feel like this is the same cycle we've gone through many, many times with a Kirk extension talk, but I am intrigued by the idea that after June 1st, and maybe you can explain why this is and how this works. After June 1st, and it feels so weird to be having these discussions in the middle of summer about like major things could change for your team. But with Kirk Cousins, once that calendar flips over, he can be traded and probably San Francisco is the only potential team that he would accept the trade to with his uh, no trade clause. But that is not entirely off the table either. It's like everything is potentially on the table. But what? But why is that? Like I say that, but why is that? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it's on the table just because I don't know who would start at quarterback in Minnesota at that point. I guess you're saying you swap for Trey Lance, um, I guess would be the hypothetical there. Yeah. So so the way June 1st works is just essentially that the, the salary cap ramifications of a cut or a trade are treated differently once that date passes. Where it, before June 1st, any dead cap all accelerates up to the current year after June 1st. It gets split over the current year and the following year. Um, so if you did trade Kirk Cousins, you know, tomorrow or after tomorrow, I guess, um, you know, you would clear $10 million in cap space uh, for this upcoming season. The total dead cap would be the same, but it would be split over this year and next year as opposed to all hitting this year. You know, I think the bigger thing is is with the Dalvin Cook, you know, whether it's a trade or a cut. I, you know, I know there's a report today from Jeremy Fowler thinking he still thinks a trade is possible. Maybe it is. I think it's a little bit maybe maybe optimistic that they can find a trade partner. But, you know, for him, it goes from saving, you know, $9 million or $11 million versus, you know, about $6 million, I think it is with a cup before that. Um, you know, so, so it's a different situation, um, you know, with, with the cap treatment of, of the, the transactions. I say off the table, but I didn't say likely. I didn't say <laughs> yeah. that, that was. I just mean that. When you hear that the GM is poking around Trey Lance at the combine to see if there's yeah. any interest there yeah. and San Francisco couldn't do it without knowing what Brock Purdy's arm and surgery looked like. And if there's one quarterback, like we've been doing the whole thing where you connect the yarn and uh, newspaper clippings together with Trey Lance and Kirk Cousins to San Francisco forever. But if it's the point is that if it was ever going to happen, it's going to happen after June 1st, because that's the only way the Vikings can really do it with their cap. No, I don't expect it. And I think it's a very low percentage. Uh, last guy we need to talk about is Daniel Hunter and what's going to happen there. Um, I would expect that he wants to be one of the, if not the highest paid uh, edge rusher, which is insanely high with the money that comes along with it. 
He also probably has some bitterness about years past and the way that the cat or the contract has gone for him. Some out of his control, you know, others uh, like the injury part out of his control. And if you were the Vikings, you needed to see him come back and, you know, play with through the neck injury and everything else. But uh, this is a really hard one because finally he's of adult age. We've been talking about forever how young he is. He's a young-ish, but not young anymore. He's a veteran NFL player. And if you're signing Jefferson, Derisaw's on the way. Maybe you're extending Kirk. I don't know. This is one you can't just like push some boop, boop, crazy cap buttons and have it all work out for you. Like This is going to be expensive as hell. What do they do here? Because he actually has value in a trade as well. Yeah, no, they have to do something because, and look, we were off or I was off about, you know, maybe him threatening a holdout or doing something like that. And, you know, in appearances in the past, I think mainly because the injuries, he probably recognized he had less leverage, but he has a five and a half million dollar salary. He is not playing. I'll say it again. Maybe I'm wrong. There is no chance he is showing up for that salary. Yes. He was willing to rework his contract and look, he made $20 million in cash last year. Um, You know, a very reasonable amount of money to make, um, you know, with where he's at. He's not playing on this current, you know, salary. So when I look at him, like you said, he is no, he's still young for for how long he's been in the NFL, but he's not some, oh, he's only 26 years old. Like he's he's gonna be 29 this year. He's a normal age, third contract type guy. Um, I look at a couple numbers. So first, what I just mentioned, the fact he made $20 million in cash last year, I think is not insignificant. I then look at this would be a complete floor, but you know, Von Miller last offseason at 33 years old. I know the reporting says six years, 20 million a year. He signed a three-year deal for about 50, 52 and a half million dollars per year. So 17 and a half, you know, per year there. And the last data point I look at is Khalil Mack. The Los Angeles Chargers trade a second round pick for the right to pay him about forty and a half million dollars over two years. I doubt he plays for them in 2024. Um, so I'm Hunter, like that's kind of where I start. It's like, all right, tw- 20 is a floor, an absolute floor. You could even probably point to a Bradley Chubb who signed a you know a five-year deal for $22 million a year. Again, the earlier cash flows are a little bit lower um, than that actual number, but yeah, like he is still a valuable player. He probably still has a couple good years left. If he can't stay healthy, he obviously did this past season. Um, and I think it's kind of in that low 20 range. I don't think they would entertain, and I don't think he w- would push for, unless he wants to leave Minnesota, to be like near top of market, like, you know, thirty in the 30 range. Here's what gets interesting. So we're talking about Jefferson. If I'm Minnesota, I'm pushing very hard because – I think Nick Bosa, so the current highest paid player at the position is $28 million a year with TJ Watt. I think Nick Bosa is going to sign for not, not, not 30, like 32 and a half, $33 million a year on an extension. I think Brian Burns could try to get the 30 in Carolina, you know, Montez Sweat, you know, Rashawn Gary at torn ACL, but in your division, very good player that before the injury, I think was probably signing for at least above 25, um, if not 27, 28. So if I'm Minnesota, like I'm trying to get this done pretty quickly, but I think it's low 20s, 22, you know, 23 in that range. And I would, I would probably go, try to go three year extension, four years in total. It's through his age, you know, 32 year, whatever. But like we've seen, I mean, look at Darius Smith and Khalil Mack, et cetera, like Von Miller, you know, these guys have a shelf life beyond that. And maybe there's another deal to be had. Um, but yeah, anyway, three years, you know, 66 mil in that, in that wheelhouse, I think would be a fair deal for both parties. If not, I do think he'll demand a trade because, again, I know I was wrong, um, but he's not – unless you give him a, you know, a pay raise, I guess, he's not pay, pay, playing for $5.5 million. 
No, and he shouldn't uh, because no. that's absurd based on his production. But yeah, this is a this is a very tricky one because I think on his side, there's someone out there who's desperate for an edge rusher that is competing for a championship that will sign him to a bigger deal than the Vikings. And he's got to know that. And I think the Vikings are in more of a position with these very expensive players coming up where they have to be reasonable. There's also the, we can point to the Julius Peppers or Vaughn Miller or, or a number of players who get into their thirties and sack the hell out of everybody. But I don't know that that's always the case. Right. And, and Hunter is a, a, an incredible athletic specimen, but does have the injuries here. And if you take away 10% of that athleticism, or you're only getting 10 to 12 games a year out of him in the future because these injuries pile up, there is a big risk to be taken there for you know buying completely into him on a huge deal. And there's also the part of like you're rebuilding this defense from scratch and you have this one great player and no other ones that you're really solid about. It's almost like this is a multi-year process with him. You might miss you might risk sort of missing the window for when this defense eventually becomes good. Like he's fading as the other guys are developing. And I think it takes years to build a really great defense. So to me, that's very tricky. Uh, last question though, for you, Brad, um, the bigger picture. So Bill Barnwell did an interesting piece where he uh, rated off seasons and he rated it by getting closer in the short or long term to the Super Bowl. Do we feel like with this offseason, what the Vikings did got them closer or farther away from the Super Bowl, short or long term? I would vote long term. So, look, we are talking about Kirk and maybe him staying, but I think finally biting the bullet on an Adam Thielen. I think saying Harrison Smith, either take a significant pay cut or we're going to cut you as well. Um, you know, I think, you know, not resigning Devin Tomlinson, a good player, but a guy that has not increased significantly your short term chances to make a Super Bowl. Um, I, you know, Patrick Peterson probably would have come back if they gave him a decent offer. Like, I think long term, they did improve their chances. You know, the, the Kirk situation is going to be a big, big pendulum swinger, but I think they, I, I commend them for doing enough to to not trying to truly run it back, quote unquote, um, you know, and fall for the fallacy of their, their record last season. It took a long time and maybe Delvin Cook is the last piece of that. Daniil Hunter is is sort of in both buckets of a rebuild player that you could build your defense around or a player that if you move on from, you get draft capital and you're rebuilding that way. But it it they trickled in the moves with Zedarius Smith and then maybe we'll see with uh, Delvin Cook. But I think if you were to write down the Vikings roster and then put it up next to last year, you'd go, oh, wow. I didn't realize how many players actually left and how much – how much age walked out the door. And I think that that was very smart to do, but they're in a position with a great offense still intact that they are going to be competitive. So this is kind of the ultimate competitive rebuild and what determines whether this works or not, I think is what happens at quarterback um, going forward, because if they find the right quarterback at the right price in the draft, um, then you're you know headed to Super Bowl contention. And if you stay in this place, I think we know what this place is. So uh, but not, I make it sound much easier than it is as always. So um, at PFF Brad on Twitter, one of the best follows out there. Incredible insight as always, Brad. Great to get together again with you, man. Thanks for this. Great to see you. Yeah, great, great as always. And, and hopefully the predictions are, are strong again, uh, you know, in a more positive direction. Uh, yeah, but thanks for having me. Well, we'll definitely have more reasons to get together. I, I'm guessing pretty soon. Uh, if Jefferson signs a contract, you're on the emergency pod. So uh, we will talk again. <laughs> 
very soon. And uh, thank you all for listening as always.